So my new job has a vending machine. Par for the course, all jobs have vending machines, but this vending machine takes credit cards and it also takes Apple Pay. And that's very dangerous for a guy like me because my favorite part of the day is snack time. I take a snack break probably every two hours at my job. I have to, man. I'm a writer. I've got to reset my mind. And the best way to do that is the sugar rush of a Snicker, Twix, and peanut M&Ms. And it, what's what's crazy about this and what's ever so dangerous about it is previously, if you wanted something out of the vending machine, you had to find quarters. Quarters are really hard to find when you're a kid, right? And, you know, having to find a quarter to go to the vending machine, you it, it, it was a hassle to do and you always couldn't find them. So you would just go without, you know, like finding a quarter for the vending machine is like people in third world countries having to walk five miles to the river and then walk five miles back, balancing a bucket of water on their head. Like it's a hassle, right? So they really care for their water, right? But because my vending machine at work takes Apple Pay and a credit card, dude, I, 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 I'm abusing it. I'm abusing it. I think I'm going to have to do like the Dave Ramsey how to manage your debt strictly because I cannot stop eating animal crackers out of the vending machine. I don't know what it is. Animal crackers out of the vending machine taste so damn good. I don't know why. And the thing is, I just touch my phone to it. I touch my phone that's made to call people. Alexander Graham Bell invented the phone to communicate with our loved ones. Listen, I don't remember the last time I talked on my cell phone to a loved one, but I can tell you this. I bought $5 worth of snacks out of the vending machine today with my cell phone. What world are we living in? What's happening? But I love it, man. And in my head... It's not registering that there's been a financial transaction. So all I'm doing is racking up my credit card bill on simple sugars out of the vending machine at my work. Because in my heart of hearts, I feel like I'm getting it for free. And because I'm getting it for free, I just keep going back for more. And I don't know what I'm going to tell my wife when the credit card statement comes in. And she looks at me and goes, oh my God, Quentin, how, how many bags of animal crackers did you buy? To which I'll reply, well, they're not all animal crackers, you see. There are also some hot fries on there, some Pop-Tarts, some Snicker bars, and some of those little grilled cheesy crackers are so good. And I mean, is this scary, man? Like, I think this could affect my credit score. My love for snacky time is going to totally, totally knock out my credit score, you know, but... I, I can't stop doing it. You know, I do love snack time throughout the day. And then what makes it worse is when I go to hold my phone to get my snacky and it says animal crackers $1, it doesn't just spit the animal crackers out. It asks me, this smart vending machine asks me, do you want more? To which I reply almost every time, yes, I would like more. So I hit another number. And then it gives me Pop-Tarts. And then it goes, do you want more? So I'm just hitting stuff on here because in my mind, I'm not spending any money at all. But <laughs> it's just the greatest thing ever. But it's also going to be a curse. So if the podcast gets canceled, it's because I couldn't afford my internet connection. And I'll just be at home by myself eating animal crackers. Okay, let's get to the show.
Okay, so one of the lead stories I think coming out of the past few days is Tim Beckham, who's one of the hottest hitters in all of baseball. He's a shortstop for the Chicago White Sox, and he sort of flipped his bat a couple days ago. He actually kind of just threw his bat. He hit a home run off a guy named Brad Keller. I don't know if you've ever heard of him or not. He sounds like your local dentist. I don't, <laughs> I don't know anything about him. And so Brad Keller, this guy, threw a pitch to Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson really hit it hard over the left field fence. And he throws his bat towards his dugout and, like, motions to his dugout like, yeah, I just hit a home run. And he's, like, flexing his biceps, man. And I got no problem with that, dude. Like, any mirror I pass, I flex my biceps, right? I'm not even hitting home runs. And Tim Anderson hit a home run, dude. And Tim Anderson, man, he's a 25-year-old kid, man. He's from Alabama. He's, um... He's African-American, which I, I, I like that fact because I think the sport, and Adam Jones has said this multiple times, man, I think it's great for the sport of baseball to have influential African-American athletes that stand out, and um, combining all of that with him just being an energetic player, man, I love that he's playing baseball and not another sport, right? He's a great dude, and then he goes to the dugout, and he puts on this White Sox chain, and like the White Sox emblem is solid gold, man. He looks like he's about to be T-Pained for Halloween. I just love the energy all around this home run, right? Well, it turns out Brad Keller, your local dentist, did not like the bat toss whatsoever. And immediately the next time he faced Tim Anderson, he threw a pitch right on his butt. And it bounced off his butt. And Tim Anderson got a little mad. He walked towards home plate a little bit. But the uh, Kansas City Royals catcher, who's Martin Maldonado, a good guy, kind of like backed him up or whatever, to which Tim replied, hey, man, I just want him to know I have a problem with it. But like, we're cool, dude, because Tim can play the game. Right. And that's just what it is. And then all the benches cleared. People were super mad or whatever. There weren't any punches thrown. I don't think there will be any suspensions. But four guys got kicked out of the game. A Royals coach. Uh, Ricky Renteria got thrown out, and then Brad Keller, and oddly enough, Tim Anderson got thrown out, who really, which is the weird thing about that is Joe West threw out Tim Anderson, and Tim Anderson didn't do anything but get hit by a pitch, and that to me is the weirdest thing ever, but I just chalk it up to Joe West not knowing what he's doing, and I imagine dementia is on the horizon for Joe West, that's, have I been saying Jim West this whole time? Jim West, Desperado, Rough Riders, no, you don't, no, nada. That's Wild Wild West, <laughs> Will Smith, man. Um, Joe West, right? I just chalk it up to dementia, man. It's like early onset. You know, I would imagine uh, Joe West wakes up every morning, can't remember if he's made his coffee or not, um, probably changed his soiled underwear, and then it's like, what do I do next? You know what I'm saying? But whatever. Like, Joe West is Joe West. He's older than dirt. He was probably friends with Jesus, okay? Like, real-life Jesus. And, like, that's not even the most egregious thing out of this. Like, I do think, I truly think uh, Joe West should be suspended for ejecting Tim Anderson for not doing anything. That's not going to happen, and nobody's really pressing that topic. But I do think Joe West should be suspended for his error in judgment for ejecting Tim Anderson for doing absolutely nothing but just getting hit by the pitch, right? But I, either way, felt like I should weigh in, like anyone wants to hear my opinion on, dude, like, what's up with this stuff, man? So you've got, like, all these articles online and all of this debate about the unwritten rules of baseball versus Major League Baseball's campaign of let the kids have fun. Listen, 
One, do I have a problem with Tim Anderson's bat flip? Absolutely not. I like Tim Anderson and I like the Chicago White Sox. Now, if that was like Ryan Braun doing the bat flip, yes. Like I would be like, I hate you, Ryan Braun. But I would have no problem with the bat flip. I just don't like Ryan Braun, right? So the bat flip, like here's the thing. One, pitchers got to get over this stuff. But in because when a pitcher, it happens all the time. More, It's more common to see a pitcher strike a guy out and show a lot of emotion, like an aggressive amount of emotion, you're more likely to see that than you are a hitter, hit a home run, and then just like flip his bat up in the air, right? So pitchers do this stuff all the time. But then it's like a lot of pitchers get mad and they want to put one in a guy's hip. But listen, I'm not going to go like Tim Anderson should flip his bat, but Brad Keller shouldn't throw a pitch at him. I'm all for the storyline. I'm all for... The, the heavy, heated, competitive nature of professional sports. So in the same token, I don't have a problem with Brad Keller hitting Tim Anderson in the hip. I just don't. Listen, pitchers are really good at throwing baseballs, and they're really dialed in. And for, like, Tim Anderson's not going to accidentally get hit in the head, right? I'm pretty sure most pitchers are doctoring up baseballs anyway, but I don't have a problem with Brad Keller putting one in Tim Anderson's hip. I just don't, man. I love the story. I love when the bench is clear. I love to see old managers just like argue at each other. It's like, because these guys are managers, dude. They're not at home on their front porch yelling at kids to get off their lawn. But this gives Ned Yost and Ricky Renteria a chance just to gripe and yell at people, yell at young people especially. So I totally love it, man. But also, here's the thing. I would expect nothing less from the highest level of baseball you can play you better believe if if my team is playing with this sort of drive and fire whether I'm Brad Keller whether I'm a fan of Brad Keller's team or a fan of Tim Anderson's team I love what both of them do and I want my players to play with fire I want them to play with emotion and if you are playing on the highest level of any sport You should be playing with all of the emotion you can muster. So when Tim Anderson hits a home run and he's filled with so much fire, I want him to feel like the only logical thing to do is to toss his bat a country mile and flex his biceps like Hulk Hogan on Monday Night Raw and just get after it. That's what I want, man, because I want my guy to go up to the plate so damn determined when he succeeds, he's filled with emotion because he's playing with emotion. But likewise with Brad Keller, man, I don't, if my team, you know, is the team that got the bat flip hit on them, listen, I do I think my guy listen Brad Keller put a guy on when he hit Tim Anderson and it was a tie ball game I don't care about that stuff I want my team playing with fire and saying you're not about to do that on my watch and if my pitcher gets taken advantage of like that put one in the dude's hip man because I want you to play with emotion my biggest biggest pet peeve of baseball is sometimes I feel like players aren't playing with emotion. Sometimes it looks like guys go to the batter's box and they just don't care, right? I do think Brad Keller was wrong and really like, in one sense, he was wrong and had no reason and had no right to hit Tim Anderson. But then again, I'm like, well, listen, if Brad Keller's playing with fire and drive and emotion, 
in that moment, I do not expect Brad Keller to think logically at all, right? How can you think logically when you are so driven by adrenaline and competition, you do not think logically? So for me to sit here and say, Brad Keller's a dummy for doing that, He's not a dummy for doing that. He's playing He's playing baseball at the highest level in the entire world. I want him filled with so much drive. He's not thinking logically. And I'm okay with it, man. I love when my athletes, listen, for an athlete to do superhuman things, they've got to function on this crazy elevated level. And when you do that, yes, you see athletes do really great things, but then you also see them flip their bats and hit batters in the hip. I'm all right with all of it, man. So I got no problem with any of this stuff, man. I love to see the way story plays. And honestly, if I see an article that says, hey, Tim Anderson is just playing the game and having fun. Brad Keller shouldn't have hit him or Brad Keller should have hit him. We need to, you know, respect the game of baseball. To have those conversations is is working in absolutes. It's saying Brad Keller should have absolutely retaliated against Tim Anderson or Tim Anderson should have absolutely tossed his baseball back. I just love the story unfolding when human beings, in this case athletes, are put in uncomfortable situations that they don't encounter on a daily basis and do things we may or may not agree with. Man, listen, don't pick one side or the other. Just enjoy the game, dude, because this stuff that's happening right now is good, man. So cheers to both guys. Let's keep it coming. Okay, next on the agenda, which I promised this, I think the last episode was each week to go over home run paces to let you know what everyone's on because so far this major league season, I mean, I maybe the baseballs are actually on steroids. I'm not too sure, but everyone is hitting home runs and multiple players are at astronomical paces. And check this out, man. Here's what I want to tell you. If you're bored at work, right? Because I know historically, like if I wanted baseball stats, I would go to like baseball reference or MLB.com. I stopped going to ESPN.com until I remembered that if you go to ESPN.com and if you search for any baseball player, it'll bring up their stats just like baseball references, but it's got a projected section on there. So you can easily, if you're sitting at work and want to look busy, but don't want to really do any work, just furrow your brows, go to ESPN.com and search for whoever you want. And it'll tell you their home run pace. See, that's what we do at the podcast. So this podcast, to answer your question, it obviously does not take any skill. So check this out. I looked up some dudes when I was at work today and found some astronomical numbers, man. Like to the moon style home runs, dude. So here here are our home run paces for this week. In first place, it's a tie. Chris Davis and Christian Yelich are both on pace to hit 77 home runs. <laughs> I don't know. If Barry Bonds' home run record is really at risk here, but I have this sneaking suspicion down in my gut, you know, it's it's either that or the big breakfast I had this morning because something's going on down there, and I think it's telling me that someone this season will hit 60 home runs. I believe it'll happen. Two years ago, Stanton hit 59, and I was on the edge of my seat just wanting him to hit 60 home runs. And I do believe that there is a significance 
for someone to hit 60 home runs in a non-steroid era, I'm really uh, I'm I'm really focused on it, interested in it. That's sort of like what I'm looking at this season is can somebody hit 60 home runs? I do believe someone can hit 60 home runs this year because guys are Really, really, you know, working on launch angle. They're working against the shift. And as year years go on, hitters are only getting better at this. So it only makes sense that as we're in this stat cast launch angle era, that people are just going to continue to get better at bashing baseballs. Well, so anyway, those are my first place, guys. Second place is Cody Bellinger. With 73 home runs, right? So he's on Barry, my head grew three sizes, Bonds, home run record of 01. Next in line, so Cody Bellinger's third. Fourth is Jose Altuve, all five feet six inches and 155 pounds of Jose Altuve is on pace to hit 63 home runs. A pretty big number for the guy, and he's bashing. It looks like right now, as the Astros just had their 10-game win streak interrupted by, I don't really remember who broke that streak. Um, it's not my job. It's whoever produces the show. Yeah, who, who produces the show, man? You messed up today. Um, he, he's got 63, right? Next in line, bro, and there's a guy by the name of Anthony Rendon who is quietly bashing baseballs. In D.C., you know, with Bryce Harper's absence, and he's on pace to hit a cool 61 home runs, man. Listen, these guys, that's a handful of guys I just named that are on pace to hit 60 and 70 home runs, man. Even my guy Daniel Vogelback over there in Seattle, he's on pace to hit 46, which leads me to my one-two punch of the week which is basically me taking two players off of each team and labeling them uh, my one-two punch of the week. <laughs> That's the science behind it, guys. Daniel Vogelbach and Domingo Santana, dude. Crazy numbers right here the guys are putting up. Dude, Daniel Vogelbach is hitting to a 46 home run pace. He's batting 326 and slugging 837 on the year. He's striking out a lot, man. But, dude... The Husky dude from Florida, man, is doing some work in the Mariners. And then also you've got Domingo Santana. Now, Domingo Santana bats about second in the Mariners lineup. And I think you'll see Vogelbach maybe about fifth. But Domingo Santana, my man, is hitting 337. And he's slugging 535. He's hitting at a 31 home run pace right now. He's already got 24 runs driven in. Now, at this point, the Seattle Mariners... Or they're, they're losing some games, and they've really lost, man, at least a handful in a row. Um, ooh, the Mariners were 13-2, and two, and now they're 13-8. and eight. And they're still operating at a plus-30 run differential. And their offense, to my knowledge, I think got shut out last night by Carlos Carrasco, I believe, who's, I mean... Don't even get me started on the Indians pitching because it's really good. But the Mariners, their weak point, I think, is starting to show through. But I'm excited about Vogelbach and Domingo Santana, man. I don't know if it's going to be trade chips that um, the Seattle Mariners GM can maybe, you know, sort of wheel and deal and get some stuff done. I'm not really too sure. But, you know, those are my one-two punches of the week in combination with the crazy home run pace, man. So far, this Major League Baseball season, dude, is not letting anyone down right now. All right, so next up, we're going to, um, over the next few weeks, probably dig into some uh, StatCast metrics, 
you know, the nerdier side of baseball that Goose Gossage despises and try to make fun with it a little bit. I'm not going to make fun of it, but we're going to have some fun with it, right? And we're going to dig into sort of some of this stuff and see if, if a normal guy like me can't make, can make sense of it, right? I can count to 10. Surely I can figure this out. You know, don't give me like multiplication cards or long division times tables. I'm not good at that sort of thing, but I can get into baseball, right? Because I have no life. So here we go. I mentioned a second ago that Anthony Rendon was having a pretty dang good season over there in DC, right? Him and his 63 home run pace. So one of the articles I was reading talked about how Anthony Rendon was like a top three hitter in baseball because of his expected weighted on-base average. Whoa, dude, that just makes me sweat right now, dude. I've got visions of being in like my college like calculus class just wondering like if 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 I'm ever going to be able to graduate and, you know, like I couldn't even count how many beers I drank last night, let alone these equations you're giving me. Like when did they start throwing letters into this stuff, right? But so here we go. If you ever see, I'm sorry, guys, you have to put up with me. If you ever see this abbreviation, it's a lowercase x, a lowercase w, and then a capital OBA. So what this measurement of expected weighted on base average is, it looks to me that it uses exit velocity, launch angle, and on certain types of batted balls like soft hit batted balls, the sprint speed of the player, right? This is a crazy number, but essentially what it means... Part of it is the quality of contact that a player makes, and essentially, here's here's the best example I could do. Let's say I, I saw this example, Matt Adams. Matt Adams launched a ball to left to center field, and Albert Almora robbed him of a home run. And even though Matt Adams was out, his expected weighted on-base average actually increased because the quality of the rocket that he launched to center field was a good thing, right? But maybe he was a little bit unlucky because Albert Almora is a top-tier defender in the world of baseballs going over his wall, right? He's Albert Amor is essentially Jon Snow. He's there to protect the wall, and if you come through it, if you try to get past him, he's going to slice and dice you, kid. So Albert Amor is Jon Snow. You understand what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, it's all about quality of contact, and it's as if every player was facing the same defense, right? So essentially, if a player's been a little unlucky because he's been robbed a few times, what this is, it's a way to measure players and just how good they can hit a baseball. Simply put, how good can a player hit a baseball? So what we're going to do is I'm going to tell you the guys in Major League Baseball that simply put, hit baseballs the best, right? So we've stacked, we've simplified this nerdy term into what it is. Just who the hell hits a baseball better, okay? So obviously, if you're listening, I'll give you a second to guess who is the guy in all of baseball that can hit a baseball the best. You've thought of a name? You're probably right. Mike Trout, number one. His um, expected weighted on-base average is 577. That's first in all of baseball. Obviously, Mike Trout is the best player on the planet. He's really good at hitting baseballs. Like, okay, I don't need your nerdy stat to figure that out. But listen, right now, you know who's second on this list? 
My man Cody Bellinger, two years removed from Rookie of the Year, on pace to hit 73 home runs, is only two points behind Mike Trout right now. That's how good he's hitting a baseball right now. He has a batting average. Whether this, I don't know, it's not up to date, I think, for tonight's game, but it looks like he's batting 429 right now, man, and slugging 900, dude. Cody Bellinger is off to a hot start. And he was shaky last year because I think he was getting platooned a little bit. But then again, he was just a second-year guy. So don't be surprised if Cody Bellinger ends up in your National League MVP race, my man. The third best hitter in all of Major League Baseball, try to guess it. Okay, it's J.D. Martinez, right? He's about 70 points lower than Cody Bellinger. Coming in at fourth is Anthony Rendon. Um, He's just like six points below J.D. Martinez. But number five on this list concerns me a lot with exactly what this number means. So the fifth best guy at hitting a baseball right now is Joey Gallo. Dude, this throws a monkey wrench in everything I thought I believed about this stat. Because, for example, Anthony Rendon has a 502 expected weighted on base average. That's 502. Joey Gallo's 489, which is, what, 13 points lower than what Anthony Rendon is. But Joey Gallo bats 226 with an expected batting average of 305. Anthony Rendon bats 387 with an expected batting average of 375. Joey Gallo always bats low 200. So when this number, it's telling me that Joey Gallo bats about as good as some pitchers as far as batting average is concerned, right? But he hits a baseball just as good as maybe what Anthony Rendon does, even though Rendon nearly bats 400. Like, I'm concerned with that because, one, I would never want Joey Gallo up to up to bat in, like, a clutch situation because I feel like you can strike him out about half the time, right? Like, flip a coin, heads or tails, Gallo struck out, dude. It's like, whatever, right? So I don't want him up to bat in clutch situations. And then also, like, it tells me his expected batting average is 305. Now, I know Joey Gallo hits a baseball really hard, so... I think I, that, that's that's a weird number to me because I don't know like if this stat is just like using exit velocity a ton and just saying, hey, guys that hit the baseball hard should do pretty damn good. Even though Joey Gallo hits a baseball really hard. But again, he's our Ricky Bobby award winner for the week. If you're not first, you're last. Joey Gallo's in his underwear running around and he thinks he's on fire and he's calling for Oprah Winifrey and Tom Cruise to use their voodoo magic to save him, right? Woo, that was a lot, dude. I mean, this number tells me that Christian Yelich is ninth best in all of baseball at hitting a home run. Dude, Christian Yelich is like your guy getting Barry Bonds treatment in baseball right now. Dude, he's top tier right now. But either way, like that's what the number reads. Those are some of the top guys in baseball right now. Another surprising one, man, when you talk about best catchers in baseball, Wilson Contreras is seventh on this list, and he's having a really good season right now. We do know with the defense that Wilson Contreras is there, and he's sort of like the Nolan Ryan of catchers, man. He just throws really hard, and Anthony Rizzo gets mad at him because it hurts his hand when he throws down so hard. But Willie, so far, man, is having a good start to the season power-wise, man. So that's another guy to look forward to when you look at 
catchers like Buster Posey and Yadi Molina, you know, are they going to pass the torch? Who's the next crop of really good catchers in Major League Baseball? You can for sure name Wilson Contreras, but then also who the Cardinals traded to the Arizona Diamondbacks and Carson Kelly. That's a guy, he might have a breakout year. He's going to start catching more, and maybe this year, maybe next. He's a top-tier catcher in all of baseball. You can look for that. Other news and notes, um, I'm always on Mike Trout watch just to see how long Mike Trout can possibly continue to get better at Major League Baseball. He gets better with age, man. Mike Trout is Betty White, dude, (laughs) right? He just gets so good with age. And this year is no exception. And really, he's proving Mike Trout is so cool, calm, and collected. He's just signed a $426.5 million contract. Listen, man. (laughs) If I find a $20 bill on the ground, I lose my mind, right? I'm so excited and filled with like this euphoric joy, I can't concentrate on life, man. And all I want to do is spend this $20 of cash on just like the first thing I see. Maybe I want to go to the mall and get like a glamour shot or something and hang it in my podcast studio, right? Like it's 20 bucks, man. Like that's money that's just like, dude, I just got 20 bucks. And then, But Mike Trout has just signed a contract for $426.17 million for 12 years. And he's not even freaking out about it. He's already racked up two wins above replacement. And we haven't been playing baseball. Oh, I'll tell you this. Mike Trout's played in 15 games this year. And he's already worth a two war. Like, what does that mean? Like, is he going to... Hold on, hold on. Let let me figure out the math of this real quick, right? Okay, so 15... I got a calculator on my phone here. Let's see if I can figure it out. So let's say the game, the baseball season is 162 games. If I divide that into 15 game increments, that's 10.8 times 2. Right now, if Mike Trout, his 162 game average for wins above replacement right now is 21.6 wins above replacement. That is crazy. If you told me that Mike Trout, if you gave me the option of one of two things, if you were to say one of these two things is going to happen, one, Mike Trout is going to rack up a 21.6 war, or two, your neighbor is going to get picked up by an alien and then tell you about it. Which one of those situations are you going to believe? The crazy neighbor getting picked up by the alien or Mike Trout's 21.6? I would really think that a 21.6 war would just be impossible to do. So I would go with the alien, right? Because you, if you've listened to this podcast, man, I'm not as crazy as Jose Canseco, but I'm all in on aliens, man. I'm 100% all in on aliens. Did they help with the pyramids? Did they not? Listen, man, they didn't have uh, a knowledge of uh, electricity and light power, but somehow the people building the pyramids had lights. I'm pretty sure um, that was an alien, okay? But um, (laughs) that's what Mike Trout's on pace for, dude. And, you know, this is his age 27 season. You would think at this point, with all the data in the world, and you would think that maybe scientifically pitchers could finally figure out part of Mike Trout's weakness, right, man? There are a lot of, like, medical developments right now. Like, in China, they cloned a kid. 
I kid you not, some secret like Chinese or Japanese like doctors, they, they kept it under wraps and they won't say who they are, but they cloned a baby. But <laughs> pitchers can't figure out Mike Trout. That's the world we live in. That's how good Mike Trout is. He's essentially more advanced than cloning a baby. And what's crazy about his numbers is his on-base percentage – is 57.1. So 57% of the time, like he gets on base. Like 57% of the time, I don't do a lot of things <laughs> that much, man. Um, I don't even know if I take a shower 57% of the time. But um, his OPS right now is a video game-ish 1352. That's his OPS. His OPS plus is 273, which means he is 173% better than just your average Major League Baseball hitter. These are wild numbers, man. I think if you were to take off Mike Trout's shirt, there would surely be a game genie plugged into his back with the ultimate cheat code in it. He's getting better, man. He's walked 17 times this year. That leads the league. He's only struck out five times, man. You're getting to this uncharted territory. It's like one time in his career, which was his abbreviated 2017, where he only played 114 games, but was on pace for a stellar season. That's the only time in his career he walked more than he struck out. He walked 94 times and struck out 90. Last season, he struck out 124 times and walked a league-leading 122 times. But this year, I'm just wondering if you're going to get a fully healthy trout. I know his he had a little groin thing happen, but he, he's back to playing baseball again. If this is the year where we just see an elite amount of walks that are so much more exceed strikeouts that you might see a guy, I mean, am I on triple crown watch? With Mike Trout, I don't think so because Chris Davis, Chris with a K, is such like a prolific home run hitter. I don't know if Mike Trout is going to beat that because Mike Trout is such a well-rounded hitter. Mike Trout's not going to bat 247 like Chris Davis does, right? He's a high 300s hitter, and he's a high on base guy. And his ability to do so much with the baseball, listen, he can hit 45 or 50 home runs. I just don't know if that's Mike Trout's game because he's really up there using all parts of the field and trying to put the ball in play. So I don't think I see him on triple crown watch, but you know, we, we could end up this year seeing some really aggressive on base and slugging similar to Barry Bonds' chaotic 2006 I think the season was when he won a batting title and had an OPS of like 13-something. So we, we could for sure see that out of Mike Trout. And do we see a historically great year of the single-season war? I, I think we will. And actually, let me tell you what the highest war for any position player is. Hold on one sec. Okay, so here's what I've got. And now Baseball Reference has this really rad tool called Play Index. And you can get in this Play Index and really find any stat you want. Like you could find the best age 27 season by a catcher or by a shortstop. You can just pick all this stuff. You know, if a guy's a rookie, bats left-handed, right-handed, all this crazy stuff and figure out who was the best to do it in that given category with whatever criteria you want. So what I've just done for this is calculated um, the best seasons as um, defined by wins above replacement. So what's the highest number? And it looks like 
Babe Ruth has the top two seasons. In 1923, he racked up 14 wins above replacement. And then in 1921 was at 12.9 wins above replacement. You're outside of like the old school, like Babe Ruth eras. You've got like Carl Yastrzemski at third in 1967. He was at 12.5 war. And then you've got Barry Bonds in 2001. He had 11.9 war. So I'd say like... And then also in 2002, he had 11.8. So Barry Bonds has had a couple 11-win seasons, right? And actually, Mookie Betts last year had 10.9. And that was 21st all-time in wins above replacement. And oddly enough, wow, Mike Trout has, has not had a season with as high a war as Mookie Betts just had last season. Uh, Mike Trout's 31st on the list with 10 and a half wins above replacement. So he doesn't even have like the record with like current players with like the highest war, but you know, is Mike Trout on pace to where he could possibly top 11, a hundred percent at this point, he could he top 14. I mean, that's sort of the number I'm looking at right now because you just saw the 21.6. I threw out the guys played 15 games and already has a two war. So these are pretty impressive numbers. And if you give me a second, I'll tell you, how much of that comes from offense and how much of that comes from defense. Because also Mike Trout, he's a really good center fielder. Like he robbed Christian Yelich a couple weeks ago when the Brewers went out to the Angels. And I loved it because the best American League player robbed the best National League player of a home run. It was awesome. Right now, his offensive War is 1.4, and then defense, he's 0.5. It's just amazing, man, how a guy can be so good offensively and still carry a positive defensive war. So we'll keep an eye for Mike Trout, sort of what he does with wins above replacement. And, you know, we'll, we'll keep you in the loop on that and see, you know, what kind of records he can beat. All right, well, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap this show up. Um, we'll wrap it up with a couple things. Um, number one, Joey Votto popped out the first base yesterday. Mm-hmm. Pretty simple, whatever, like NBD, right? He popped out the first. But listen, that's the first time in his career that Joey Votto has ever popped out the first base. Cody Bellinger was playing first. He caught the ball. And what's unbelievable is, yes, Joey Votto made it 6,827 plate appearances over 13 seasons without ever popping out to first base. And if that's not the craziest testament to how good of a hitter Joey Votto is and just how good a contact he gets, yeah, that's it. It took him 13 years and nearly 7,000 tries to pop out to first base. Like, you would just figure that some rainy day and Joey Votto may be like he's got the flu or he had Taco Bell an hour before the game, that he would just sort of phone in his performance for the night and pop out to first base. Well, I guess Joey doesn't eat Taco Bell. He's a pretty disciplined guy. That's the first time he's ever done it. Also, while I think of it, go to YouTube and watch like a Joey Votto interview and tell me he doesn't talk like a vampire because you'd be lying. Joey Votto for sure sounds like a vampire from like interview with a vampire. Like he sounds like he should be on interview with a vampire. He talks like he's from a different century, man. So if time travel has ever been invented and you want to maybe like look for a culprit, I'm looking at you, Joey Votto, because you talk like you're an 1800 vampire. Maybe, hell, maybe Joey Votto's 200 years old and he is a vampire and there's not a time machine 
Because why would there be a time machine for a vampire? Joey Votto is just living amongst us, but he's figured out how to stay out in daylight. I've watched True Blood. I know this stuff is possible, man. And I've also watched Monster Squad. Get it? Okay, Joey Votto's a vampire. Otherwise, I'll give you a quick roundup of the standings in Major League Baseball. The Tampa Bay Rays are 14-4. and four. Um, So they're still in first place in their division. The Yankees are second at 8-9. And and the Boston Red Sox are now running at a negative 42 run differential. And they're 6-13. They're officially one of the worst teams in all of Major League Baseball right now. Um, The Cleveland Indians are 11-7. They're first place in their division. The Kansas City Royals are last in that division at 6-12. But Homer Bailey just threw six innings of three-hit, one-run ball against the New York Yankees. Homer Bailey right now getting paid the league minimum. Looks like a steal of a deal, and I don't know if Kansas City can use him as trade bait, but yeah, Homer Bailey's you know been throwing a touchdown for an earned run average. But this is a guy that's pitched two no-hitters, and he's been healthy for you know a couple years now, and some of that stuff might be coming back. Um like I mentioned earlier, the Mariners are coming back down to earth. They've lost six in a row. That's probably par for the course. The Mariners should suck. The Astros are first place in that division at 12-6. and six. They've just won 10 in a row. So they're back up in that thing. Um, out on the NL East, you've got the Phillies at 11-6. and six. Man, Jake Arrieta has put together back-to-back um, seven and eight inning starts. He's pitching a contact. He's pitching efficiently. So the Phillies are going to go a long way when guys like Nola... Aaron Nola kind of finds his groove. His first two starts have, his last two starts have been a little rough. But also in the Philadelphia Phillies, keep your eye on Zach Eflin, man. Zach Eflin's had some good starts this season. I think he actually pitches tonight, which is Thursday night, the 18th. So check out his box score and see what he did. Out in the NL Central, much to my chagrin, you've got the Brewers in first place at 12-7. and seven, But they're oddly enough running at a negative two-run differential, so there's a little bit of a concern there. The Chicago Cubs have got a few good starts from Jose Quintana and Cole Hamels. Stuff is starting to look up on the north side. Their offense is still pounding. They've got the most runs scored in the National League Central and actually maybe like the third most runs scored in the whole National League. So keep an eye on them. And you've got the Los Angeles Dodgers just doing Dodger things, man. Clayton Kershaw came back on Monday and pitched against the Reds. Um, oddly enough, Yasiel Puig hit a home run off Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> like, we're not friends anymore. I just hit a two-run home run off of you. But the Dodgers are the only team in their division running at a pl- at a positive run differential. The Dodgers are going to be the Dodgers, man. They're probably the favorites to win the National League. You know, when you got Walker Bueller, Clayton Kershaw, and then the lineup that they have, they're getting good at bats out of Jock Peterson. They got A.J. Pollock. Cody Bellinger is doing weird things at the plate, so... Um, and then you got the Padres, oddly enough, in second place at 11-8. and eight. And I, I truly do think the Padres can hold that second spot. A lot of that depends if, if the Rockies kind of bounce out of their funk. Because oddly enough, right now, the Rockies are dead last in the West at 6-12. and 12. I'm not too sure what's going on there. I know Kyle Freeland, is, he was their ace starter who pitched the wild card game last year. They're not really getting out of him what they're expecting to get. And Nolan Arenado just finally hit his first home run. I think yesterday, which was Wednesday the 17th. So things have got to start to come around there, but we'll see where that lands. But otherwise, thank you so much for listening. We'll talk probably again on Saturday. Have a phenomenal weekend. Enjoy some baseball. And I think actually this weekend is Easter. So happy Easter. 
get um your easter baskets prepared i think you might have to like be good for the easter bunny so the easter bunny will leave you chocolate but happy easter have a phenomenal weekend thank you thank you so much for listening to the greatest show under a baseball podcast i will talk to you soon have a phenomenal night take care